With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Line of Vienna Street podcast, episode 136. My name is Tom Jenkins, and joining me are my two esteemed colleagues, Will Jones and James Jarvis. In what has almost become the norm for our podcast in recent weeks, this is yet another episode. We welcome a special guest. I would strongly suggest that you check out our podcast with Stu Holden, Radi Jaidi, and Adam LaFondra, all great shows which we love making, and I'm sure tonight will be no different. Our guest is a player who in recent times was something of a stalwart through, uh, for the club. He made 236 appearances for Bolton, scoring 16 goals, at least three of which will certainly go down in Wanderers folklore. Please welcome David Wheater. Dave, I start by asking the most important question of the pod. Have the kids gone to bed and are you free to speak? Yeah, they've just gone to bed, yeah, finally. <laughs> Tire them out all day and they've, they've gone quite quickly tonight, so, so I'm all yours. Brilliant. That's good to hear. The, the current situation we'll find ourselves in at the moment is certainly taking its, uh, its toll on football. I have to ask, how difficult has it been for you this past month? Or has your previous experience with financial struggles helped you now to best deal with the uncertainty? Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I always seem to find myself in these situations, don't I? But, um, yeah, it's, it's, been, it's been weird, obviously. It feels like we're just on holiday, like the, the season's finished, but we're all keep, we're trying to keep fit because we obviously we don't know when it's going to start again. So it's it's weird, but obviously we, we, you have to get used to it, don't you, really? We, like I say, we don't know when it's... When it's going to start again, so we just keep ourselves as fit as we can. How, how easy have you found that? Not very, to be honest. I mean, running around the streets on your own—it's it's, just—it's just so boring, isn't it? Oh, yeah. Probably some people will, will enjoy that, but it's—it's it's not for me—not for me. <laughs> really. I'd rather, rather be training with my mates. But um, yeah, tr- been trying to get out on the bike as well. That's a bit more, bit more exciting than, than running around. But uh, yeah, it's got to be done. No, absolutely. Uh, take, taking you back to sort of the start of your, of your time at Bolton, when you left for Oldham in, a, in 2019, you've been with the club for, for eight and a half years. How did the move to, to Wanderers come about? And was, was it difficult to leave Middlesbrough, given it was sort of your local team you've been with for so long? Um, yeah, well, it was difficult. Obviously, I was there from like seven years old till 23, I think I left. Uh, I mean, Bolton were, I think, about seventh in the Premier League when I went there. So it was it was quite, quite an easy decision for me to, uh, to make. But... Uh, Yes, I mean obviously I wanted Middlesbrough in, were in the Championship then, and I wanted to be in the Premiership, so it was a it was a no-brainer really. Did it help for you that you were going to go and play with the likes of Gary Cahill at centre half? He must have been a fantastic partner for you. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, obviously he was one I wanted to play with. Uh, but I knew I knew Mark Davies from like uh, England youth teams, so it was it's always nice to have someone to to be to to know when you go to a new club. So he helped me a lot. He picked me up on the first day and took me in. Which was nice of him, and uh, that was it. Was just good to go in, obviously, with them big Premier League players like Yussi, Kevin Davies, Paul Robinson, players like that. It was it was great to be around. It, it was, as you say, the club the club was sort of flying around about that point, and then it sort of coincided with a few injuries, and then uh, the five nil at Stoke and all of that. How, how did it sort of? Did you sort of wonder what you'd walked into there, given that you just come to a club that had been flying almost, and then the sort of wheels fell off through no fault of your own. Uh, yeah, I think the, obviously the first season when I uh, I came for like the six month, it was it was fine. I mean, we established Premier League team. And just the second season, everything seemed to go wrong, didn't it? Obviously, Fabrice, that that stuff happened. Stu got a bad injury. I got a bad injury on the second last day. Kept me out for like ten months. So everything was was going wrong really. And obviously the semi final against Stoke as well. I think took the wind out of everyone's sails in it a bit. And, it was free for all from after that game, I think. Yeah. Did it shock you how much the team struggled in 2011-12, or did you sort of see that coming with the way the previous season had ended? Um, yeah, did, yeah. Actually, the, the first six months I was there, the, 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 yeah, we didn't really finish the season that strongly. But um, 
I think we got about seven players in, didn't we, in the next season? I mean, like, Tunchat Stanley came, um, Rio Coker and all, Bradley, yeah. there was about eight signings. It's, it's always tough when you get that many signings in to get everyone in the team and to play how, how the manager wants. So, yeah, um, I mean, we started well. We won 4 0 at UPR, I think it was. So, yeah, it was a brilliant game, that. Well, optimistic, but yeah, just the wheels fell off, didn't they? Did you think Owen Cole was a good manager to have in that situation? What was your relationship like with him? Um, yeah, it was all right. It was all right. Obviously, um, I, I was going back to that thing where he told, he told me I was going to play in the semi-final at Wembley and then he just told me in, at the pre-match, he said, I'm not I'm not going to start you. So I wasn't, I mean, I am been best pleased with him since that, to be honest. But um, <laughs> Well, that ended well, didn't it? Oh, yeah, exactly, yeah. I mean, no, we, we spoke to Stu Alden about the exact same thing. Obviously, he was injured at the time and, you know, it was obviously painful enough for him watching on, you know, th- without any, uh, you know, possibility of even playing. But I think for you, it must have been even harder knowing that, you know, you were, you were up for selection and everything. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I was on four yellow cards and um, the game before in the Premier League, the manager called me and said, I won't play in this one because obviously I don't want you to get suspended for the... Uh, semi-final so I said yeah that's fine obviously I, I want to play at Wembley and thought I was going to play got to pre-match just before the game and uh, my family were coming down and stuff like that and he just he, he pulled me I was thinking oh no don't don't say it but he said I'm going to stick with him so I think he was, he was superstitious wasn't he Coyle he did superstitious things and I think the, they won the game before so I think he kept the same team yeah, the whole thing is exactly the same yeah. thing that Coyle sort of had this uh, in difficult management style to understand at certain times, you know, superstitions, table tennis tournaments, etc. etc. I, I, from your perspective, do you think that helped sort of like improve team morale, or would you prefer to be doing more tactical based stuff? Yeah, I think I think the team needs to do tactical stuff. I mean, we, we never, I don't think we did one in probably the two years that I had Coyle, to be honest. Really? Um, but I mean, I, I mean, I don't want to knock him too much. He, he brought me to. To the club I was at for eight and a half years, so um, but yeah, I mean, it was it was nice, nice fella, but um, yeah, <laughs> it's, it's a bit alarming to hear though throughout that two years, the whole time you didn't really do any tactical based work. I mean, I know that team no. bonding's obviously a huge part of things, but that's yeah. uh, that's slightly concerning to say the least. No, honestly, yeah, I don't think we did one, we did like five sides, skills games, stuff like that, crossing and finishing. It, it, it does make you wonder whether or not he was the best manager for that situation. But I think, you know, obviously we'd struggled that year. But mm. going into that game against West Brom, it's sort of like a sliding moments, a sliding doors moment for me. Um, when you, obviously you got yourself injured and then had to go off at half time and then, you know, go and throw that lead away and whatever. I, I, I'm perf- absolutely convinced that had that not happened, we would have ended up surviving. From, from your yeah. perspective, did you think, did you know how serious the injury was at the time? Because if memory serves, you got it midway through the half and then played on until half time with it. No, I didn't actually. But um, I remember really? going. No, I just thought I just thought I jarred my knee to be honest because the pain went off after a little bit. But um, I remember Martin Petrov came up to me and said, um, "Just take your time. It looks bad." And I thought, "No, it's not really." And I got up, had a little jog down the um, the touchline, and, and went back on. I kept fa- <laughs> kept falling over. <clears throat> kept falling over every time I tried to um, turn. Different different directions, and I didn't know what was going on. But I, uh, I went, I went, I was going down the tunnel at half time, and my mum has ran down to the gate and, t- and told me to get off because I think I think she knew something was up. <laughs> That's like mum's taking over, isn't it? In the most ridiculous of styles, like never mind, just in normal life, she's running down to the touchline screaming oh. to you to get off. <laughs> so that, she was she was going, you get off here. I said I'm fine. I said I'm fine. <laughs> oh, it's brilliant. I went in the physio room, sat on the bed, and I put some ice on my knee, and I just got—I couldn't move. As soon as I stopped running about, I couldn't move. And um, obviously, went for a scan a couple of days later. And the uh, the doc, doc the doc rang me and he said, "Oh, I'll come around and see you." So I thought I thought it was going to be good news. Like he was just—he was coming around for a cup of tea, say, oh, two, two, three weeks, whatever. And he said, "Oh, um, yeah, you're up for nine months." I was like, "What? Yeah, you've you've done your ACL." I was like, "Ah, oh, brilliant." So. I was, Obviously, in over the summer as well, which which wasn't the best. But uh, yeah, it was a tough one. How hard was it watching the team get relegated in your absence? Mm. I mean, from our perspective, it, it was just irritating not having you there because you could have made a real difference. Yeah, well, it was Stoke on it, and um, we had our play of the year dinner on on that night. So I was obviously I was I was in crutches and my pot on uh, shopping or whatever I had on. But we were just getting ready for the 
we were watching all Sky Sports and obviously Aguero's goal was on, wasn't it? It was the, the same day. Mm-hmm. We, we were staying up and Kev, Kev scored the goal, didn't he? He crossed it and so we were like, we're all happy. And then, was it the penalty? Bogdan gave the yeah, penalty. Yeah, Crouch dived. So he, he, he is the, he's us in like our, our tuxedos, tuxedos ready to get, to go to the play of the year do. And obviously we relegated, so that wasn't, that wasn't the best party, to be honest. <laughs> I'm amazed they let that still continue, given that what had happened. You know, that someone should have just sort of taken people aside and said, maybe it's not the best time to do a Player of the Year. Didn't my word. Yeah, I know. I mean, it's daft. It's daft. Oh, it was terrible. I mean, what did we expect to walk into a round of applause? It was, it was, <laughs> you know, uh, Typical of how the club seems to be being run from top yeah. to bottom. A story like that, really. I suppose it was, um, for, it was more obviously the bought tickets and that for the for the dinner and stuff, and the sort of. I don't know. It was, it's, it was a tough decision to make, but I think probably made the wrong one in the end. Yeah, yeah I, as you say, you know, you missed a lot, quite a lot, pretty much all of the following season due to injury. And when, when we spoke to Stu Holden, he was talking about how uh, when he had his injury, obviously around the similar time to you, and um, they managed his rehab pretty poorly by sort of suggesting he come back quite quickly. Did, did you feel that that was what what happened with you? Because there was sort of a pressure to get you back out onto the pitch to get us into the playoffs. Yeah, definitely. Well, they were telling me, like, with ACL injuries, they want you to get back as soon as you can. I mean, I think it was about my fourth day, I was, they wanted me to ride a bike, and it just it just didn't feel right, to be honest. I think they tried to force it a bit, but I said, I said look, it's hurting me. I don't want to do this. But, yeah, it took me about 10 months, and then I got um, a growth inside at the back of my knee from, it was like a complication from the operation. But I just thought that was the pain that you get from having an ACL. So I was playing with that for a few months and you could probably see by my performances, I could hardly move. And I think I got dropped for a game. I said, look to the physio. I said, I need to go check someone about, about this. Just went to see a, a surgeon in Bradford. He, he like just had a touch of my knee and he, he, he put his hand behind my knee, made me bend my knee and he said, oh, you need an operation. And a big, big, uh, big growth behind my knee. And that was at a, another three months. Yeah, it was it was a tough rehab for me to be honest. Well, no, it seems like it happened to every single player who had a bad injury at the club. That's what that's what I don't understand. What, what, why their policy was so daft in terms of trying to get all these players back, and it just seemed to, as you say, you know, for the next three seasons or so, it was like you were on off on off because they couldn't seem to get you back, and there'd be another injury that would keep happening. Oh yeah, it was horrible. I mean, I think I think every club does that though, don't they? Try and get the players back as quick as they can, but I think sometimes just just take your time. It's I mean, yeah. obviously you got. Not a long career, but you've got years. I mean, you used to play football. I mean, I know the physios and the managers probably think about the team and getting victories, but at the end of the day, it's our, our bodies, isn't it? And we, we need to look after them. I was going to say, you can only take the medical advice you're being given at the end of the day, but seeing as it seems to be a bit of a recurring theme at the club, you've got to sort of question what the approach is to it and how effective it actually is. And, you know, it'd be great to get all these players back as soon as we could, but ultimately you've just got to give it the time it deserves, haven't you, really? As, as frustrating as that might seem, it seems like it was it was all a little bit rushed from, from a fan's perspective anyway. Um, I'm sure you sort of felt similarly on that. Yeah, definitely. I mean... Once you, you actually you need to start running, don't you, and sprinting like before you come back into football. But sometimes I think they just do it too too quick. You you start running running quick in, in your re- rehab, and you, it just feels like I don't know. You just feel like you're going to pull every muscle in, in your body. Like you've rushed it a bit too much. And but uh, yeah, like you say, you have to you have to take their advice. They're the ones who mm-hmm. who know what they're talking about. So. I know you you can't sort of diagnose yourself in that situation. You sort of just have to listen to what you're being told, even if it's if it's not the right thing. I mean, I guess you could sort of question whether or not you know if there was some particular advice that you thought, hang on a minute, this can't be right. Whether you could have got a second opinion on it, maybe. But you know, I don't I don't know what the the routine is in terms of that and to as to who you refer to, but. Um, it's, it seems like a bit of a concern generally throughout the club like Tom says that it, it's it's questionable how, how the club dealt with it in a way but um, yeah it's just a shame that it, couldn't, it didn't quite work out in that respect oh yeah obviously I love playing football love playing for Bolton and it just doing rehab in the gym every day it was, it was, it was horrible because the, the gym at the, the training ground faced the pitches as well so you were, you were, you were in there all day while the lads were training it was just oh, demoralising it was horrible I was going to ask you, Dave, because obviously it's skipping forward a little bit, but at the start of the uh, League One campaign, when Mark Davis got his bad injury at, um, at Charlton, 
it seemed as though there was almost like an element of giving up on him quite quickly because you know we never really saw from Sparky again. From from your perspective as a player, and obviously I, I presume a mate of his, what what was how did they handle his rehab? Um, I, I don't really know because I was I was fully fit that season, wasn't I? All season, yeah. so I yeah. never never really seen him in the or was never in with him in the gym and that. But um, I think he'll, he'll probably admit himself he, he wasn't the best rehabber. He but. Um, Stu did say something similar in fairness. Yeah, but he, I mean, it, it didn't look bad, did it? The injury he had, but it, I think it was it was very, very bad. I think he did everything he could in his knee, to, mm-hmm. to be honest. But I think if he, I mean, if he probably worked out a bit in the gym a bit more, then he probably would have came back. But maybe he gave up himself. It was sometimes injuries that painful. I mean, when I slipped my disc on my back, it was just, oh, come on. The pain, I just wanted to just, just lay down and go to sleep every day. So I can imagine. Yeah, and particularly for Sparky as well, being such a technically brilliant player, it, it was horrible sort of seeing him come in and out in phases like that and it, it never really lasted too long. But on his day, it was obviously, you know, absolutely brilliant. And, I, you know, obviously it's not really particularly your place to say necessarily it, you might feel that in your opinion or whatever. But, um, you know, I'm, I'm not sure as to, to what Mark's position was, you know, after that. Because I know the club was sort of reiterating that he was in and around the club to an extent and he was, you know, still in contact with the club. And I'm not sure as to, you know, whether you could provide any or shed any light on that at all as to whether he was still, you know, sort of involved with the team at all beyond that or, or whether sort of the lines of communications were caught after that. No, I think it was... Um... I think they, they have. I, th- I think his contract ran out, but they have like a duty of care, don't they, at, at the club? Mm. As long as they're injured, I think the club look look after him with the physiotherapy and that. So he was. We lived in. He lived in Birmingham, so he, he, he'd come in when he could, and mm. but he was. Yeah, he was around for that whole season. I mean, the lad. He was. He was a good lad to have around the around the training ground, so no one was bothered him being around. It was. It was nice to see him, but we. Yeah, obviously, we just wanted him fit and back playing but it, it never happened I mean same with Stu he was he was quality wasn't he I mean he get, yeah. I, I put him in all my dream teams in Bolton dream teams with people asking me I thought it was brilliant and I think he he got rushed to back he, he probably says yeah he, well, he did say the same didn't he he got rushed back because probably the manager seeing how good he was and they all wanted him to play but uh, <laughs> I remember him saying something similar in that you know, when you said that the doctor had come around to see you and you were sort of feeling relatively positive about it and that he was going to maybe give you good news. I think Stu said something similar in that he got that same call and he sort of welcomed him up as if he was going to you know, be given a few weeks or months even. And, and then it, he basically told him you know, that was his, the end of his career, which uh, I just can't imagine how difficult that must have been to hear. And especially you, know, you being able to compare yourself to that in a way, it's... It's just so demoralising, as you say. But um, you know, it wasn't all doom and gloom, was it? <laughs> the still no, there were much better times to draw on. I was only going to ask during during that time, Dave. We obviously had uh, Dougie Freeman and Neil Lennon in charge, and they sort of came across as, as chalk and cheese to the fans. I was just wondering, from your perspective, how would you describe them as being a player working under those managers? Um, Dougie was he was it was just weird. It was um, exactly how I would describe it. <laughs> He came in and he's, he changed. Like we we sat with the uh, with the staff in the canteen and that. I mean, we, we spoke to everyone, and, but he, he sort of like stopped all that. We weren't allowed to sit with the staff. We weren't allowed to talk to him. Um, in the caretaker, he was like a good friend of all the lads. I mean, he comes around my house still and does does little bits. He wasn't he wasn't allowed in while we were in the in the in the training ground because I don't know. He just we just didn't want us to talk to to people. And strange. Yeah, it was strange. I think he, the mood he killed the mood a bit, to be honest. But, um, Lennon, I think he, he picked it up, didn't he, a bit? Uh, obviously, he had his he had his faults and well, well publicised faults, but um, he could get angry though, flipping neck. Oh, I imagine how sort of it, quickly his moods must have changed. I mean, I know from a fan's perspective, everyone sort of sees it as. A, a, a disappointing, you know, rain and a, and a missed opportunity in a way because I think when he came in, all, all the fans were absolutely raving about him, and then uh, and then obviously all, it all unravelled after that. But I can imagine how, how fuming he must have got quite easily. I, I'd sit not far behind from the dugout actually, and uh, you know, I, I I could just sense it in him that he could have just flipped at any moment. I mean, we, we, I mean, we all saw it when he um, publicly called out Gary Medine on TV and. Gaz was fighting back. I can't imagine what it was like. 
but behind the scenes in the changing room, especially when when a decent amount of the time it wasn't going well for us, especially in that 2015-16 season. Yeah, a few of the uh, flip charts went went flying. <laughs> okay, I've always wanted to know it from a from a player's perspective, really, how different the the team talks are. You know, sort of like when you come in at half time and say you you know you're one nil up or you're one nil down. How how much does that differ between managers and you know? Would you perhaps be able to say who who was best equipped to to deal with those situations respectively? Um, well, um, honestly, I can't really remember Dougie's team talks. It can't have been that memorable, can they? Um, no, <laughs> but I imagine Lennon must have been the, the inspirational type, almost screaming yeah. at you all in a way, but I, well, it, I, I could be completely wrong. If you were winning, you just couldn't wait to get into the uh, to the change room was, was Lennon, because it was, mm-hmm. I mean, he'd, he'd give you off to like when, Tuesday, Wednesday, if you won, oh, wow. but if you lost, flipping egg, I mean, he, he, went, he went mad. Yeah, I can imagine. Some of the things he said, I mean, <laughs> it was, he wouldn't be tolerated in another line of work, but uh, <laughs> that's, that's the old a good old days. What you say, old school. Right. He never actually said anything to me, to be honest. I think he might have been scared of me. But... <laughs> he made his match with you. Fair. <laughs> I don't know. He, he looked a bit scrappy, didn't he? But uh, <laughs> yeah, some, oh, some, I felt sorry for some of the lads who, the, who we went for. But I can imagine Lennon and Jay Spearing having similar personalities and similar kind of you know, being the kind of scrappy blokes. It's personality clashes, isn't it? Yeah. I don't think he, he. I don't think Spio had a had a go with um, Lennon. I think Vels had a go at him once because he, <laughs> he kept playing went, him at right back. Oh yeah, yeah <laughs> like that. Well, Lennon, Lennon was calling Vels a name, and Vels was calling him the same name back. And I think they were just going at each other for 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 the whole half time. Just imagine that the rest of the lads just sat around the change room, just like eating, eating popcorn. <laughs> what sort of thing? We're just having a scrappy match at each other. Funny sometimes, but even when he was having a go at the, at the other lads, like screaming at him, you felt bad for the lads, but you, you were just so happy it wasn't you. Yeah, I was going to imagine like anyone who is sort of not the English lads who were part of the team who perhaps didn't understand that sort of mentality and the background that Lennon had, obviously, it had just been completely no nonsense. It must have been terrifying. Yeah, well, uh, I bet you half expected it in a way. It was, but yeah, but like I say, when he came in at half time and the, the, the flip chat was always near the door. No one ever thought to move the flip chat away from the door, but it was always then, always got launched over the other <laughs> side. But yeah, but if, if he didn't say anything to you and he said, right, see you Monday, you were like buzzing that you got away with it. Yeah, like that's a good result. <laughs> At least you knew what you were getting, I suppose. <laughs> exactly. Some, some consistency, because it seemed like under Dougie there was very little consistency in terms of player relationships. Yeah. The way he treated Kevin Davis, for an example, it just you know smacked of you know just a weaker character, to be honest. Yeah. Well, I yeah, I don't get the time when he's like everyone was buzzing that he, he said he slashed the wage bill that much. It was it was just the players that were out of contract. He didn't. Yeah. He slashed the wage bill. They just didn't resign. So it was, and yeah, but he's, I remember Kev sort of saying that he really did go on with him in that sense, just that he, he felt that the players weren't dealt with as they should have been. Nah. I'm sure you'd probably echo that in, in, in a way. But Yeah, well, even, even his training was, it was so boring, honestly. It was, <laughs> uh, it was just like mannequin work with, like for an hour. But you hear all these stories, like I'm not comparing myself to Ronaldo or Beckham or anyone, but you, you hear stories of them that they went out after training for an hour or whatever, taking free kicks and doing extras. We weren't allowed to do anything after after his stopwatch had gone off. So That's ridiculous. Yeah. So, we'll never the rules. Well, what, what, what occurred to me during that first season with Freeman, obviously I know, I know that unfortunately due to injury you weren't involved that much, was there was such a ma- massive opportunity to get us into the playoffs and, and it was his decisions that cost us. I just wanted to ask you for, after that season where it sort of seemed to, um, you know, the, Stagnate in the championship almost. Did you think that we had a squad that was capable of going for the playoffs, or was it all downhill from there? Do you think? Would you think that was the missed opportunity? Yeah, obviously it was. <clears throat> we just need to win that last game, didn't we? I think it was Blackpool. Was Blackpool, the, uh, yeah. We went to lads went two 0 down, um, but I think everyone just thought we were going to win that game because we, we were flying before that. I mean, we got Craig Dawson came in, didn't he? And he was he was fantastic. Oh, he had to miss out on the last game as well. Oh. No. Well, yeah, really. and uh, Rob Hall starting out of nowhere as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, just a, a game that summed up Dougie, didn't it? Really, more than anything, it was just yeah. mind blowing. Oh, Rob Hall, yeah. I wonder, I wonder what you were going on about. And Rob, yeah, Rob Hall started, didn't he? His first game. 
Yeah. Got brought off to about 35 minutes, didn't he? Yeah. <laughs> I, just, I felt sorry for him. He was made an unfortunate scapegoat in that situation. Oh, yeah. I mean, you don't... 35 minutes for your debut, I mean, you're probably not going to do anything memorable in the first 35 minutes. Mm-hmm. At least keep him on for a bit of the second half. But, when I mean, did it start to be, become apparent to you, Dave, in while we were in the Championship, that there was sort of like a, fi- a financial crisis on the horizon? It was just one day. We um, It was payday. We were in the hotel <clears throat> for one of the games and I'd never checked if it, if it had gone in on payday. I just presumed it would. Because it always had, from since I was at Middlesbrough, payday, you get paid. And then one of the lads says, have you been paid? I said, I don't know. <laughs> I didn't have a banking app or anything, so I, I rang me mister. I said, have we been paid? I said, no. And we just, I mean, we, we asked the manager, I said, what's going on? We haven't been paid. He's made a few phone calls, and uh, I don't think we found out till after the game. I think we played that night. I think on the morning, we found out that I think the, uh, the owner had just decided he didn't want to, his money in anymore mm-hmm. uh, it was no surprise really then that the team started to struggle at that point I think how, how difficult is it for the players to sort of keep themselves going when you know there's all that uncertainty going on in the background yeah it's a bit demoralised I mean obviously it was, it was the same last year towards the end of the season you, if you, you're not winning games and to top it off you're not you're not getting paid for four or five months either Either it's, it's not going to help but um I mean, you try. You, once you're on the pitch and, and training ground, you forget about it. But soon, soon as you're off the pitch, you, you're all talking about it and again. And you, you just, you just can't wait to get home sometimes to to stop talking about it with, with, with the lads. Yeah, I mean, I I've gone through sort of a timeline with it. I'm I'm doing a, a bit of a dissertation piece at my uni at the minute, and I've gone through the timeline of everything that happened over those few years because you sort of, well, the fans anyway sort of forget in a way how many issues there actually were. And going back, I think there was five or six months in the end that that he hadn't been paid, and it was just ridiculous how many times he got away with you know not doing it or insisting that it would happen, and then ten days later it it, it, it hit your accounts or whatever, and it it's just so unfair when you know it, it's quite. Obvious at, at, at sort of that level, Championship League One level, that some players are, are, are living not necessarily payday to payday, but they're, they're not far off that, especially with families to feed and so on. And it, it must, you must have just felt so hard done by at the time, and, and you're helpless in a way as well. Well, that, that was of course Ken Anderson. Will I was talking about um, Eddie, Eddie Davis's. Sorry, of course, yeah. So for for either of them, really, I, I mean, it, it must have been difficult just to to sort of figure out what, what you're going to do in between those times when you couldn't when you weren't being paid yeah it's tough I mean the PFA were, were godsend for us helping us out because we obviously we had I mean football we don't have a clue about the financial side of the game and that but um, Phil Parkinson was he was he was fantastic with us he was sort of like the middle man between the, uh, the owners and us he was trying to let us know as much as he could but it was it was probably tough on him because he would the last five six months, he, he was just on his phone nonstop. We were training; you could just see him on his phone and rolling his eyes. And you probably just heard the same thing over and over again. And uh, it was tough. Lads obviously live by the means, don't they? People say footballers they don't, they don't need to get paid, but let me tell you, they do. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I was hoping we'd be able to get through the positive things before we came on to it to this bit. But seeing as we've started the conversation, it seems, right. it seems only right to ask. And the, the, the strike against St Mirren, what 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 caused that, and how how difficult was that to handle? What was that? Sorry, that question. The, the, the strike against St Mirren in the oh. in the summer just before the 2018-19 season. Yeah, so yeah, oh, Christ, it seems so long ago. That now, mm. yeah. where were we? Yeah, we, um, it was a pre-season tour, I think, up there, wasn't it? And then I think it was meant to be the first of possibly two games. And, yeah, uh, well, I mean, uh, near Edinburgh in. Um, I don't know. I just think we hadn't been paid or something, and I think we were promised bonuses for staying up, which we didn't get as well. And I don't think the manager, the managers and the staff hadn't got their promotion bonus from the league one year, like a year before. Oh my God. So we were like, what, what, what can we do? We can't just keep going on and not getting what we are con- contractually owed. So. Obviously, we had a, a word with the manager and that, and we said we we, we well, it's it's hard. We obviously we wanted to play the game, but we needed to do needed to do something, and obviously that was the the biggest thing we could do at, at that point. 
I mean, we wanted to do it before the season started and obviously we didn't want to miss any any championship games and hopefully that would have sorted us out. But it didn't really... I mean, it helped us for a few months. We, we got paid till up, to, up until, I think, February and then it just obviously just stopped. So. I mean, well, this is the thing. You had such a great start to the season, and then, and then obviously the the administration scare happened. I think just after we'd won, what was it, three out of the first four? I mean, yeah, I think it was after that, the uh, Preston draw. Yeah, exactly. So it's 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 you know that kind of thing to happen when the team who fr- frankly had been expected to struggle by anyone has suddenly gone on a bit of a run at the start of the year. I mean, it just killed us completely. I mean, I don't know what what it must have been like for you to have all that confidence kicked out of you because of that. Yeah, it was it was hard. We were flying at the start of the season, weren't we? I think we that was that Preston game was the international break because we we had a night out. We, we <laughs> before the uh, the last game before the international break, and I think we were we were about seventh, I think, after that game, and we, we were flying. It was yeah, it was just it's just the same thing. We had, had learned that I'd heard for like three or four years that we might get paid, we might not get paid. I mean, obviously, I was captain, so I had to go. I would have to go ask the manager if we were going to get paid. And, He'd make a phone call. He'd, he'd pull me back in and said, "Oh, there's, there's not going to be any wages this month." So I say, "Ah, brilliant." So, so, you, so you've made, been made the you know the go between in terms of going back to and reporting that to the players. That mustn't have been the, the easiest thing to do, you know. After a few months, especially being it being given that role every time, it mustn't have uh, mustn't have been particularly pleasant. It was horrible. I mean, that was obviously it was obviously my first proper year as as a captain. I mean, I was captain for Middlesbrough for for a few months but I, was, I mean I was 20 years old but yeah being captain it was it was, it was tough I mean I'd love to be captain like John Terry or someone like that at Chelsea it must be lovely being captain for them just <laughs> doing stuff all the time and that but me I get a financial crisis on my hands so it was it was a tough one yeah because I know it, it, it was sort of yourself who obviously put in that position of responsibility and, and Andy Saylor I believe who was made player spokesperson I think his, his job was arguably just as, as painful, I'm sure, because he, he was then the go-between for, for the PFA and so on, wasn't he? I think uh, Tails have probably worked harder than me. He, he was, uh, he's clued up though, Tails. He, he's, he's very clever. He, I think he likes doing all that, but <laughs> I think he, he got bored by the end of it. He was just, he, it, was, it was just relentless. It was like five five months of, are we going to get paid? Every day, group chat with like 20 or so lads, five months, asking questions and that so it was very yeah very boring and it was hard it was hard to concentrate on on the football side because you, you you wanted your money at the end of the day as as much as you're able to say dave what what was ken anderson's handling of the situation and you know how was what was it like being a player under him as a chairman a person like that um I, to be honest we we never really seen him we seen him after after games now and again he'll He'll say hello, and his son will come give you a kiss and that. But um, <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't want to ask about a relationship with Lee because he might, you know, go and become a court case later on. Yeah, no, they seem they seem that are all right people, to be honest. But um, I'm sure the manager or whoever was dealing with him the most probably had something different to say. But um, yeah, I mean, we have, we we have to have a meeting with him one time, and then he's he's come out in the press or something and said he's summoned us to a meeting, but we were the ones. Who asked him? So if you, I mean, he, that's one one instance that we know of. So how many other times has dodgy things gone on? Well, that was the thing with those chairmen's notes. It was just I, they were the most confusing things in the world because it's it, it, it's so frustrating. I'm sure for everybody sort of involved at the club as well because you know half of what he's saying isn't true, and then you've got the media lads as well who were having to put this stuff out on <laughs> yeah. behalf of him. And, and edit it out to make sure that they didn't end up getting sued or whatever. It's just, it must have just been a pain in the ass, like seeing them go out and you're not sort of being able to to to, to do anything about it or, or you know fight back against them. Well, it was yeah. At, at the end, like when when we weren't getting paid, we were seeing statements putting out, and we we were reading it like, what what's this all about? So we were having to put our own statements out yeah. through the press to just to get the truth out, really. But uh, yeah, like I say, they were face to face. They were decent enough people. I mean, it could be worse. Could have, could have had Bassini, couldn't we? So, oh god, <laughs> he had an obsession with you. He did. Me, I, t- I told that I, I told him he, the rumours came out. I said, look, if you get Bassini in here, I'm 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 handing him, him handing him a notice straight away. 
Yeah, don't blame me. That that was a little bit scary. He seemed to be like going after you all the time. I think it wasn't there a thing where he wanted to see you in the dressing room before under something before a game. Oh, yeah, he had his suit, his suit on his club, his club suit and his club tie and that, and sake. telling us everything sorted and all this. We we're like, ah, oh, yeah, lovely. So then in in the end, I thought he was the owner. So I'm texting him asking if we're going to get paid and stuff, and he'd say, oh, I'm trying, I'm trying, and all this, and then. With a, with a few rights and papers in the middle. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, who's weirder, him? Right, we're going to pay you, right? It's all right, right, right. Let, let me tell you something, right? Uh, oh gosh. No, I'm getting yeah, it's like, he, actually, he actually became owner for about three games. I remember. I think it, it was Blackburn away or something like that as well. And then that that home game, I can't remember who it was against, but it was just it was just daft because he, he seemed to be claiming one thing, and then everyone else was like, "Hang on, that's that's not true." And he just sort of blacked it. He made himself out to be chairman when he just wasn't. It was. He had the chance to prove he had the funds, didn't he? And at the meet, his meetings with the FA or whatever, and, and then he didn't turn up, and then he, yeah, just mad. I'm happy to wager a bet with all of you now that we've all got enough money in our more money in our back pockets than Lawrence Bassini does in his entire bank account. So <laughs> absolutely no chance. He's been made bankrupt about four times, hasn't he? Well, just because he's an idiot, that's the thing. <laughs> there's being, there's you know, bankruptcy because you are a rogue owner. There's bankruptcy because you've let people swindle you out of money four times. I mean, you're clearly not the brightest spark, are you? Yeah, well, that happens. On that, and it's head of your football club, do you really, to be honest? Yeah, but not at all. But last thing before we move on from him, who, who would you say was weirder, him or Dougie? Four, I don't know. <laughs> like brothers. <laughs> Good answer. <laughs> The, nut, the nutty twins, maybe. Yeah. What, what was what was your reaction, Dave, to the fans' protest that took place um, due to the Anderson's ownership? Did you think it was going to be helpful for you? Or did, was it some kind of a distraction in your view? Um, I don't know. We, we obviously knew it was it was going to happen, so we, we couldn't really stop it, could we? No, I mean we, we we tried to keep it away from the pitch as much as we could, and it was sort of inevitable that. You know, fans were wanting to throw tennis balls on and stuff like that, and some people were on about pitch invasions or whatever. And we just decided that was absolutely daft. So we tried to keep it outside the stadium as much as we could, and then obviously it overflowed unnecessarily. But uh, I, yeah, it's curious to it's what your impression was of it. Yeah, it was. Um, I don't know. But we probably wish we could have done something like that, to be honest. <laughs> but, um, yeah, we obviously want the best time, was it? Because we were losing as well every week. So I think it. Raised tensions a bit, didn't it? If we were winning, it probably would have been what you call it, a peaceful protest or something. But yeah, it got a bit bit heated around the place. But yeah, like you say, the fans need to show their frustrations in whatever way they can. I think it makes you going wonder, on, to that, on to that stuff. Sorry, yeah, go on, James. I was just about saying it makes you wonder. Having we've spoken about all this, how are you experienced with us? It just makes you wonder why the hell did you stick around? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry for punishment. So. so. <laughs> Put yourself through it. What for? <laughs> Why not? I, I enjoyed it. But, uh, you you talk about you obviously the fans showing their frustration, Dave. How difficult is it for players to take fan criticism, whether it's you know stadiums online when behind the scenes there's stuff going on that we don't see? Um, I don't know. It's, it, yeah, it's tough to say it when you we, we you know it's not true. You see stuff. Like I said before, like when when you hear stuff, our players can go out without being paid. So if you, you just want to, you want to write back to them, you, you said we can't. We need, everyone needs pain. Where uh, yeah, ratings and that you probably know that I look. I always used to look at Lime Venice recently. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. I'm, glad, I'm glad you mentioned the it. Elephant in the room. <laughs> um, Mark Isles, he, he normally he got a few texts after a game if he give me a bad mark. Mm-hmm. Was there? Uh, all in, all in fun. I was, I was until he, I mean, it was, it was nice when you get like an eight or a nine. It was, it's always nice, isn't it? But um, I'm sure a lot, a lot more players read the read the ratings than than the let on. It's just we've heard that Vels is quite uh, keen on doing that. Vels, yeah, me and Vels, we, yeah, we had a few texts. If he if he got a bad one, and I got a good one, I'll text him. I'll say, have a look at ratings, mate. And he'd have, <laughs> I, 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 I would have an eight or something. So he wasn't happy. And they'd always get put in the line of the other chat before a game. They're like, right, who wants ratings? And I just kept my head down every time because I was like, no <laughs> chance. I know they all read them. <laughs> I mean, he made got a few tweets off Vels, didn't he? Oh, yeah. Yes, yes we did. <laughs> well, he did, yeah. 
Interesting one. Um, right, I think we've covered the uh, the negative stuff, and it's been a, it's been a hell of a long trawl through it. But we're finally on to the more interesting bits, and certainly the more positive bits to go through. When um, you know the club let you go before the League One season, did you think that you were going to end up staying, or were you, were you resigned to going elsewhere? How, how did coming back come about? Um, I don't know. It was weird. I just never thought that I, that I had left. I was just. I mean, obviously, I lived two minutes away. I was. Uh, was still here. It was each end of the season, wasn't it? I just thought that I'd, I'd be back, but there was always a chance that I wouldn't. He got to, um, I think they were, they were in Sweden, I think, and the, the fitness coach, I was with him at Middlesbrough, Phil, Phil Parkinson's fitness coach, he's rang me and said, do you want to come over? I said, um, I'd love to, but my missus is about to, she was about to give birth then. So I said, um, can I just wait till you get back? And, and that was that. I mean, I just went into Lostock and, I think it was about two weeks before the, Sh- the Sheffield United game. Just signed up and played a few friendlies, but I was I think I was, I was crapping them friendlies, so I don't know why he signed me up on on the back of them, to be honest. But uh, he yeah, he just went super- centre after Sparky. <laughs> oh, doesn't he? Yeah, he does now. Me and B. <laughs> but yeah, just got into the Sheffield United game and everything just clicked in it that season. Me and B. I was going to say, how much fun was it playing in a winning team like that with a with a great centre back partner? Oh, it was fantastic. Obviously, me and B, we never played before uh, with each other before. It was just just come naturally. I don't I don't know. It was just it clicked so easily, and then you started scoring for fun as well. Not only were you, were you you know solid at the back, you then started to to get a bit of confidence going forward as well. Yeah, I think he got he got the one, first before me. I think I didn't didn't score till October or November. What was it? The Millwall game. Then? Millwall game, yeah. Because I had that I had that even on Klasnik shirt, and then after about a month, I said. Yeah. I'll, so I'll show it when I score, but he's never scored. <laughs> <laughs> You're just waiting for it. You could see it coming. Oh, yeah, from just... March onwards, you were a goal machine. Yeah, wasn't it? I mean, what was a Fleet Fleetwood? I think Gillingham. We got got a few. I mean, Murray's helped, didn't he? Phil, Phil came oh, in. Oh, Got about fifteen assists. Didn't he? I think he got all them assists in that Gillingham game. Well, what was that start? Was it eleven assists in four games? Something like that. It was just ridiculous. Well, he did. He got. I can't remember if it was 4-0 or 5-0 like a Gillingham away game but he, he got them all yeah, he assisted four, them yeah 4-0 it was wonderful that game player, player of the month for March 4-2 4-2 against Fleetwood 4-0 against Gillingham and then maybe 3 out of the 4 against Oxford or something and that's the ones that he yeah. got them in yeah well he also uh, scored against Oxford as well so exactly, he was on yeah. fire no he was he was a cracking sign I mean it was only there it was just on a plate for you every time. <laughs> you just knew as soon as that was coming in the box, if you were up for a call, it was in. Yeah. I, yeah. Obviously, I knew about him as a player, but I didn't think he was a, like a set-piece take or anything. The first training session, it was like a Friday, we, do, we did set-pieces, and we just like, wow, yeah. not bad. So, I might, so, might get a few. Speaking of Phil, when his uh, arrival came about, you, you guys obviously shifted to more like a 3-4... Three four three or a three five two, I should say. What was it like playing in a back three alongside, obviously Beavers and Devite? Was that much of an adjustment? Um, no, it was good for me because I was just in the middle. I was just sweeping up them and heading balls, so it was perfect for me. Let them do the do all the work. <laughs> but um, then we we drew or we lost a few, didn't we? We hadn't scored or maybe for a few games before yeah, that. Tried switching it. Like at first, I think it was four at the back. Then it was three for a bit. Then it was five. Then it was. Yeah, but it's, yeah, it's trying to get two up front so Alf right. and Medin could work, I think. Yeah, straight straight away, that three three at the back, and I think Phil was right wing back and Tails was the left wing back. It just, it, it, I mean, like me and me, it just clicked, didn't it? Yeah, it certainly did. I mean, it must be one of the most enjoyable times of your career, that. Yeah, it was great. I mean, you look at the games we had and the, uh, the fans, I mean, we're still going about that Portville goal that I scored. That, it's like you read my mind, Dave. It didn't even get it didn't even get us promoted, did it? But the fans still still going about it like it did. It was uh, yeah, some great feelings that yeah. From your perspective, what was that moment like? Was it one of those blackout ones, or do you remember it clearly? No, yeah, it was it was fantastic. I thought it was well, it was nil nil one there, and I thought oh, it's just it's just someone get a goal, and the uh, obviously I scored, and the fans were coming on. Their fans were coming on. It got stopped for about five five ten minutes, didn't it? Yeah, and I was all, like, your, all your fault. <laughs> yeah, you were absolutely going to get mobbed. <laughs> yeah. A few of us came over to try and get you back in in, in the stand because we, we. Everyone thought you were coming for a hug, Dave. Oh, we just thought if this gets postponed, oh, we don't we don't need that. But um, no, nah, it was great. It was great feeling, wasn't it? And then when Gas scored, I didn't realise that 
obviously we were behind, weren't we? And Fleetwood had equalised. And was it Fleetwood? Yeah, Fleetwood at Gillingham, weren't they equalised? Yeah, it was Fleetwood. Yeah. I think they were playing somewhere else and then we heard that they'd scored. I think it was two minutes after you'd scored. Yeah. Everyone was still on the pitch and we're like, no, get off. It's not even a thing anymore. Well, I didn't realise. Obviously, Gaz scored after that and it was a bit more subdued, wasn't it? So I was thinking, what's going on here? And I, I said to Bells, oh, we've got out tonight celebrating, aren't we? He said, oh, Fleetwood have just, just equalised. Save it for the last game anyway. It was, a, it was, I think, the palpable relief when you scored is the reason why it was such a memorable moment. Because, as you say, it'd been, it was at 65 minutes or something like that. It had been going on for so long. We had a poor run building up to that game. I think that just the sheer relief meant that it was it was why it's such a memorable goal. And I, I, the way that you boys celebrated as well, I still... I mean, I, I was I was on the deck for most of it, but when I stood up, I finally saw Dorian DeVeek <laughs> celebrating in front of me going enough. So I've never seen any emotion from him before. Oh, no, it was, yeah, it was good. I mean, we, obviously, we, we should have got promoted... About, for that three weeks before, shouldn't we? Than, than we did, but we just couldn't couldn't get over the line. Couldn't come in that last game, but yeah, it was, it was some feeling when we when we finally did it. Yeah, very important goal that you scored in the Peterborough game as well. Yeah, it was nice. One that I think I settled everyone down in the second second goal. Obviously, they, they would have had to get three, and we just didn't concede three that that year. So we really knew we were up. I I have nerves going into it. Sorry, Matt. Sorry, were there any nerves going into that game, or did you think that were you confident in the job getting done? No, yeah, we, I think no nerves on my part, but I think we we were all just just confident and looking looking forward to the night. To be honest, yeah, yeah we said this said this to Alf as well. We were like at that point because it's such a difficult bolt and things happen. If it's bottling it on the last day, you know, I, obviously fans were incredibly nervous, but I think on the players, they ju- it was just such a how easily that 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 result came about. It was just such a confident performance. Yeah. I think they were they were on their old days a bit, weren't they, uh, Peterborough? Yeah, they had nothing to play for, I don't think. And then uh, and then when uh, when Karashan had that volley after about five minutes or whatever it was, it was just like everybody sort of knew after that. But with the Indian, turned into Ginola. Yeah, ridiculous ball in. He's never he's never played a better pass than that. No, long. I don't I don't know if he meant meant it to go there, but it was perfect. And then obviously yours just settled everyone down, like you say. And I think there's a moment from the from the third goal as well when Alf hits it, or rather just before. There's a picture of you know Alf lining it up, and then you in the background already with the hands above your head as if you knew it was going in. <laughs> <laughs> it's just difficult, in like yeah, yeah, yeah. No, brilliant day, especially like after my goal. Let's say when we we knew we we'd done it and Alfie scored. It was just. Oh, that was lovely. Yeah, I have to, I have to ask there. Did you lads expect a pitch invasion prior to the match? If you were, if you were going to win, like, did you think, oh, the fans are going to mob us if we get this done, or was that a nice surprise at, at the end of it? Well, I don't know. It was stewards didn't really do the job, did they? Keep everyone off the pitch. <laughs> <laughs> Whenever they ever. <laughs> I think it's just you vote don't know when there's that many, but that no, was good. Takes a bit of time to get off the pitch. Like I think a few of the few of the boys ran off. They were in in the uh, in the change rooms by the time I think me me Vels and someone else we were still out there and it took us about half an hour to get in. But I mean it was it was a great feeling, wasn't it? So we wanted to be part of it all. If memory serves, it was you and Vels still stuck out on the pitch and Medina had already legged it off to go and get a beer. <laughs> yeah, sounds about that. <laughs> Um, obviously, the next season, going back to the championship, it was it was a bit of a long old slog, and it will obviously be fondly remembered for one fairly incredible conclusion. Um, what was what was your perspective of that incredible day? Well, I, it, yeah, I think it was a better feeling than the season before. To be honest, I think everyone expected us to get promoted, but uh, I don't think anyone expected us to beat Forest on the last day after the after the way we performed in the season. So it was. Um, we didn't, I don't think we scored three all season, did we, to be honest? And when they scored their second goal, we were thinking it's over. So I just thought, I'm just going up top. I got a goal and straight away, um, Albrecht scored, didn't he? So it was, it was unbelievable. Yeah. How did you pick yourselves up after they scored their second? Because I, from my perspective, I thought that was it, game over. Oh, yeah, so did I. But I just thought, I'd, I'd, I didn't even ask the manager. I just went up front, just, just to chance it, really. I don't think... I don't think I've ever scored when I've I've gone up front. To be honest, I only get like two minutes or something if I do it. But, um, I remember Matt Mills used to do the same thing, but when you did it, it just seemed to be so natural, and you were just there at the right minute at the right time. It was, yeah. I think it was about I think eighty six or eighty seven. I scored. I thought 
just just get up there and I got a goal. And I think, yeah, Mark Howard, he shanked the goal kicker a bit, hadn't he? And if he just got Henry Flick on that made it. Yeah, if he didn't do that, I mean, it might, we might not have scored. But uh, I mean, I'll be scored the goal, and he probably should have scored about four or five before that. But we'll just remember his goal, won't we? And I mean, it was a great cross from Alfie. He always says that he, he saved us. He come on, scored, and set up two, didn't he? So I'll yeah, he told us something back. similar. Yeah, go on, Tom. Sorry, he told us something similar. He's certainly not sure of confidence. Is yeah, that? he did. Yeah, he claimed that he didn't actually mean it, though. He did reveal that when, when he uh, when he was running onto the the flick from Henry. I think he, he just put it in. Hopefully, you know, wishing that uh, that Will Brown was there. It just so happened to land right on his head. Yeah, I don't think so, he looked. It was good. Good run though from Alby. Quick as he, he's ever moved, but yeah. <laughs> he said the best thing from that is then when, when the when the goal went in, and you know, obviously in that position, you're expecting the strikers and the wingers to be up there, and you just see you running away like absolutely <laughs> mental, as if you're a star striker. Honestly, I think that's the tiredest I've ever been on a football pitch after that celebration. I, think I, I was just sprinting, doing high knees for about sixty yards. I don't know how he didn't dislocate his shoulder doing the windmill oh no yeah I think it was yeah it was, what a feeling that was I mean go back to that Aguero goal that Man City scored imagine imagine being being one of them players winning the Premier League in the last last kick it was, it was just what a feeling well you got to be the Jekyll in that situation so that... Yeah. no yeah no one ever remembers my, my goal really. <laughs> well that, that's well, we certainly do we said that the Peterborough one was an important goal, but I think you've got to claim that that one was arguably your most important of your career. Yeah, kick-starting yeah, our comeback. Nearly got blocked as well, though, didn't it? I should, I should have just put it in the other the other side of the goal, but I've decided to reverse it for some reason. He's nearly blocked it as well, so... But, yeah. well, wasn't it Jack Hobbs who nearly blocked it? I'm pretty sure it was Jack Hobbs that was done it, for Albie's run. I've won the header against Hobbsy, so I don't know if he's got fucking time, but yeah, he, he was there. I definitely won the header against him. But you'd have never forgiven him then after that. He'd have joined the next season, you'd be like, nah, you bastard. <laughs> I think it's uh, come to the time where so we have to discuss the uh, the nights out after both of those two memorable events. Yeah, go on. Do you remember anything? <laughs> <laughs> well, there weren't two weeks like got, what got mentioned. I know that. I've seen, seen stuff saying I haven't been home for two weeks, but I had. <laughs> and that's it that's all you'll say <laughs> no, they, were, they, were, they, were, they were good but we um, after the the league one game we, we had a, a team trip to Dubai which, which was fun that was good we got told that we were getting it the, the, who was it Lee Anderson and Ken Anderson said they'll, they'll take us to Dubai it turned out to be the most expensive trip ever but, uh, <laughs> on, the, on, the ta- on the taxpayers dime no doubt no for us I mean it cost us but <laughs> Oh, fair yeah. enough. No one's... Well, to be fair, I, I think there's a, there's a good bit of footage after the Peterborough game where someone asked Ken who's going to be sponsoring the drinks tonight, and he said, "I've got no money in my pocket." And how true he was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, we didn't get any off him. Oh, it's fantastic. I, I'm just going back through the sort of the timeline of what happened after those games, and I think it's after the Forest one, not the Peterborough one. I think there were at one point you were in Dave T's tattoo parlour at about four in the morning with him. Uh, I think that was the. I think that was the league, the promotion season, that one. Yeah, it might have been. So there was that one. And then another point, you were then... I don't. Had you gone home from that night directly after? Yeah, I went straight home from Dave's. Dave's shed, yeah. Yeah, and then I think you were out the next day at the, in, in the pub with uh, with Vela. Yeah, was that was, was that the Instagram Q&A where it's like, I'm Josh <laughs> Vela and I love Bolton Wanderers. <laughs> yeah. Sounds about right. I think there was one point where someone had asked you on that live. They were like, "Do you remember shaking my hand in the toilet last night, thinking I was Ben Anik?" And you just like, "Nope." times yeah. <laughs> yeah, it must have really helped to cement, you know, decent relationships between you and the Bolton fans. Those kind of events, I presume, they were good with you or good enough with you, so that you don't have any kind of resentment. Oh, they're yeah, they're always good with me. Um, but I, really, I didn't really. Give them any reason not to be, to be honest. I always talk to them if they uh, if they talk to me and that. So I was nice to them. And they'd be nice to me. So it was, yeah, it was a good relationship, I think. Good. That's, that's good to hear. I think coming to, before we go to the Twitter questions, I just wanted to ask, obviously given all the, the shambles that was going on at the club um, last summer, 
was it always in your mind that you were going to leave? Was, was that the time that you thought to move on? No, no. I was um, I was about to sign this this season uh, in pre-season. Well, I got I just got told that the contract won't won't count unless the takeover happens. So I, I couldn't really, I couldn't really risk it to be honest. I mean, I had Oldham, the contract was ready to go, and I didn't really know if the, if the takeover was going to happen. And from that day, it was it, it was a month till it got took over. So there was always a risk that that wouldn't happen. So I couldn't really couldn't really risk it to be honest. But I was I was ready to sign for. I was at the stadium ready to sign, to be honest. I remember you saying, I think it was on one of those Instagram lives where you were saying, oh, I'll just be I'll be knocking on the chairman's door tomorrow morning trying to get a contract. Yeah. <laughs> obviously not meant to be, and obviously you moved on, moved on to Oldham since then. How, how have things been there? Yeah, it's been good. Um, obviously, it's a bit tough now, isn't it? It's tough for everyone, but um, yeah, but... Nearly came back in, in January. The, I was going to ask you, Dave. I was going to ask you what was happened with that. Well, I think Keith, I got a phone call off, off our manager and he, he just said, um, you're leaving us already, are you? I said, what do you, what do you mean? He said, oh, I've just had um, Keith Hill on the phone. I said, all right. He said, oh, I'm telling you because as a player, I would have liked to have to have known if anyone wanted me. I said, all right, yeah, decent. Um, but he said, obviously, I don't want you to leave, but I have to go speak to the owners. And um, I think we got, we got there Monday. And the owner came up to me and said, "You're not going anywhere." So I said, I, I said to him, I'm, "I'm happy here. So I won't, I won't force a transfer or anything. But um, if, if you want me to go, I'll, I'll be happy." It's an interesting one that because, like I say, when it came out that there was a, a possibility of you coming back, I think there was quite a lot of positivity around the club for, for that to happen. I just what would that have interested you as an option? If the, but only if they'd wanted you to go. Oh, hundred percent. Yeah, if they, if they if they let me go. I'd, I'd been I'd been buzzing with it, but like I said, I was happy at Oldham as well, so I wasn't wasn't going to force anything. Yeah, it's, it's certainly an interesting yeah. one. I think um, Dave, thank you for sort of bearing with me through the, the long chat. I know a lot of it was sort of a more a quite difficult topics for uh, for us to discuss. That's um, right. but I think we're going to go over to Will now for the Twitter question. So yep. I'll take it away, mate. Absolutely, we've got plenty, but we'll, we'll filter it out to the ones that we haven't already touched on. Um, Luke Bielewski is asking, "What was your favourite away day during your time at Bolton?" Um, probably South End was good, wasn't it? At the end, when uh, yeah, God, Port Vale. I mean, you look at them, Gillingham. Gillingham was it was just an easy game, wasn't it? And it was just enjoyable. So, yeah. And- Probably the Oxford one was good as well. Oxford, yeah. Any any in the league one season, I'd say. Yeah, I think Port Vale perhaps edges it, do you think? Possibly. But uh, what else have we got? Uh, Lewis Wright saying, what's your go-to drink at Fanny's? Uh, Coors Light, I think. No, I don't think they do it there. That's retreat. Um, I don't know. Just a, a Moretti, I think. I think they do it there. Moretti. I approve of that. Send me a minute. <laughs> Send me a minute to the bar so I can keep me seat. Uh, I've sort of already touched on this, but on a personal note, did you believe that we'd come back against Forest when we were 2-1 down? No. Even if not at all? No, I, I, I say I, I just went up uh, up front in the hope to to at least get a draw. I mean, I didn't want to lose on the last game of the season, so I went up there, obviously I scored, and then got a bit more hope, didn't it? And I think the fans were we're buzzing then then I'll be, I'll be popped up so yeah but I didn't no, we didn't we didn't score many goals in that season did we so I didn't think we'd, we'd score three no. uh, Matthew Penderbury saying which is your favourite goal the one against Port Vale or your one against Forest um, I don't know Port, probably Port Vale because I thought that we that had done that has got us over the line at that, at that yeah. moment but I think Importantly, I think Forrest was probably more important, wasn't it? It was a decider, that wasn't it? I think more so than the other one. Uh, what else have we got? Uh, if you could have any centre back part in, uh, partner, sorry, uh, past, present, or both, who would it be? Anyone? Yeah. Uh, I, think, I think John Terry's my favourite, to be honest. Him or, him or Fernand. I think I like to play with um, Tony Adams. Yeah, John both Terry. great choices. Yeah, John Terry. proper leader. Yeah. <laughs> good stuff. Adam's uh, And who's been your best centre-back partner at the club? I'm going to guess. I already, I think I already know the answer to this one. <laughs> I'd have to say Beeson, just for the uh, 
understanding we had, I think, and the clean sheets that we got. Good stuff. Uh, best and worst Bolton manager that you've played under? Uh, best with Phil Pattinson for me was the best. Um, all the others were the worst. <laughs> uh, you're not copying out here pick one <laughs> I have to <laughs> they might want to sign me up somewhere so I'll like, yeah, all of them all as bad as each other uh, what was your best moment in a white shirt Um, staying up I think staying up it's got to yeah. be hasn't it last day yeah. uh, one we sort of briefly touched on obviously you said that you'd, you'd had an offer from us to come back but if you were given the chance again and we were in League Two uh, and the offer was there, would you take it? Well, yeah. I mean, I'd always want to come back, to be honest. But, um, yes, the, but I say again, I, I'm, I'm happy where I am. But if the owners, if, you, if you're saying the owners let me go, yeah, I'd be, I'd be buzzing to. Good stuff. Uh, best career moment overall at Bolton or not? At Bolton, um, yeah, there's... Promotion, staying up. Um, probably, yeah, probably promotion and staying up. But playing in the Premier League week in, week out, it's, it's brilliant. I think you'll probably get the reference to this. I might not. Uh, would you rather drag your balls through broken glass for Hogarth to Olympus Chippy or spend an hour with Danny Tabernet? <laughs> Say the first first part. <laughs> drag your balls through broken glass from Hogarth to Olympus Chippy or spend an hour with Danny Tabernet? Yeah, the first one. <laughs> There's a story there, we. There is a story. Mate. I want Ash. I want Ash. It's me. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no. You, you old pasty car shop, uh, shop or cars pasties. What was the first option? Uh, you old pasty shop or cars. I'm gonna say a different one. Green algas. Oh, good shout. Are they the ones that do the ones on match day? No, I think cars is match day, isn't it? I, I don't know, mate, honestly. <laughs> really, so James, you can probably enlighten me on that one. Which ones do they serve on the concourse? Uh, I, I only know pies, mate, and that's by Hollands. I don't know about the pasties. Oh, it's Hollands. Yeah. Hollands is the one I'm thinking oh, of. Yeah. 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 for me around here. Uh, we've got, why did you used to play golf at Bolton Municipal and not a proper golf course? And what's your handicap? <laughs> golf, my handicap. Because uh, <laughs> it's... It was cheaper than all the other golf courses in about a minute from my house, so... Fair answer, fair answer. <laughs> I'm not very good at golf either, so I, I don't think I'd play on a proper course. You can see that these Let's questions get Sean like an Nah, probably, yeah. yeah, yeah, no, yeah. It's just it's a lot of which is... Uh, you've sort of uh, I think we had one which was a reference, reference James, I'll let you ask that one. one. They're the best good. ones. He said the fans were always suspicious of Right, so, Triple H, you're Sean Michaels. of them as well. As a wrestler, we were. As because just, just the first entertainer we had, and it was League One we were winning every week, so everyone was, everything was happy. Just think, um, when we probably that same mirror when we when we went on site the first time. Yeah, was not right. Yeah, but yeah, the, the season before it was it seemed to be all right. It was, yeah. uh, it was going well. It seemed to. to not be, you know, so uh, so much of a problem the first season, and then everything just tumbled into one, didn't it, very quickly? Yeah, when we started, first, when we started losing games, everything goes wrong, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. But uh, I think that's all of them covered. I'm not sure how many of them will stay in the in, in the recorded. But, uh, but cheers, for, cheers for answering those. It's, it's up to you if you want to keep them in or not. Is there any more wrestling questions or what? Uh, uh, I don't, was, I'm sure James has a few. Uh, yeah, James I'll, is a big wrestling fan. Yeah, I'll just ask. Yeah, I'll just ask one or two. Uh, how would you find Mania <laughs> this year? It was weird, wasn't it? Exactly. Very weird. I mean, I, I always watch it downstairs, but I just couldn't, couldn't get into it. Yeah, well, I was just me myself. I was just watching it over Discord with my mates, and we were just all taking the piss out of everything. <laughs> yeah, it was too loud. All the, you could just hear him shouting, couldn't you? The wrestlers. Yeah. Nah, wasn't for me. Yeah, Obviously, you, you have to watch it, don't you, as a fan? But nah, it was rubbish. Yeah, yeah, it was different. But I just, I maybe I just enjoyed it because I was taking the mic. And th- this isn't a wrestling question, but I just cannot believe this hasn't been asked. But you mentioned playing in the Premier League. But how can we mention you playing in the Premier League without bringing up your brace against Blackburn? How good, how good must that have felt in a in a derby match to score two against you? Well, but I think actually, I messaged. Um, 
Mikey at the the media guy up Bolton the other day. I said, where are where are them goals? Because they, they can't find them anywhere. I think he just said they don't think they've been recorded. I can't. That, find travesty. I mean, it was in the relegation season, but still, that that yeah. was such a. Oh. It was a game after um, our first game after Fabrice. Yeah, that was oh. the tribute, wasn't that? Yeah. Yeah. But, um, I was I'm dying never... for you to get an hat trick in that game. Oh, so was I. Yeah. <laughs> I've never seen them goals. God, that is a dreadful shame. Well, you should honestly get go onto the media farm for that. They can do ninety-minute highlights of a game that happened in back in two thousand and three. He said he, he thinks someone hasn't recorded them or something. I'm amazed at that. No. No, well, well in, in fairness, I think I think there is something to that because I'm fairly certain that all of the games from that season I've never actually seen highlights from. Yeah. Even, even when we beat Blackburn, was it two one at their place earlier that year? So I think I think there is something in that. Yeah, except the five 0 versus Stoke, I don't think any other game's been preserved. I know. We beat, beat Stoke 5 0, didn't we? A few games after. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's a, yeah, that's the one I mean. The the revenge for the semi final. I played in that one. <laughs> <laughs> there's a path, there's a pattern emerging here, isn't there? Yeah. Well, uh, if, that, if that's all for the Twitter questions, well, I think I think we uh, might bring this to a halt. What do you say? Yeah, yeah, that's absolutely fine. Thanks so much, Dave, for coming on. Really appreciated it. Yeah, it's been brilliant, Dave. Thank you so much. I'd have to come on. No, like like I said, we, we've been very fortunate in the recent weeks to have a load of guests. You know, Stu Holden, Roddy Jerry, and Adam Lafondre. So it's very, very good that all of you guys are able to make time for us, even in these exceptional circumstances. Yeah, no, no problem, no problem at all. Very, very good. Well, um, like like I said before, thank you very much for coming on, Dave. Thank you very much for listening, everyone, to episode 136 uh, of the Line of Vienna Suite podcast. Um, we've just released the Adam Lafondre one uh, the day of recording. And hopefully this will be out in the next few days with another one quick on the heels. I'll let you uh, look forward to that one. Um, but if there's nothing less to say, gentlemen, then it is time to say goodbye. Uh, Dave, we do a signature sign-off here, which I'm sure you'll get after I speak to the next two. Uh, so say goodbye, Will. Goodbye, Will. Say goodbye, James. Goodbye, James. And say goodbye, Dave. Is that me? Goodbye, Dave. <laughs> oh, he ruined it. <laughs> it was all right. Yeah. We've had we've had better ones. Mark refuses to do it every time he comes on, uh, <laughs> and it's goodbye from me, Celavi.